You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. I'm going to be teaching out of Ephesians tonight, and I'm going to be showing you how biblically to train yourself spiritually to reign. And when I talk about rain, I'm not talking about rainfall. I'm talking about reigning in life. And I believe that many Christians do not understand that whenever you use your faith in a great way, there has to be a certain amount of training as far as how you handle your five physical senses in order for your faith to succeed. And the Bible really teaches us how to train our senses so that our faith can reign over the situations in our life that we're facing. If not, our emotions are up and down, and we don't know what we believe half the time. But when you learn how to spiritually train your senses, you'll be able to reign in life. But I want to start with a foundational truth. So uh, look up here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I want you to notice, if you would, in the text, it says that we're saved by grace through faith. Say grace through faith. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to expose something that I've seen in the church for many, many years, and that is such an emphasis on grace that we don't feel like we have to do much at all because it's all grace. So I'm going to answer the question tonight, are you saved purely by grace, or is there faith involved with your salvation? Now, we know it's involved with your salvation, but is it purely because of grace that we have faith? Or is faith something that is within us that is needed to bring forth the salvation that God has called you? Now, I've studied this for many, many years, and I remember when I was first studying it with different colleagues in the faith. And one of the illustrations they gave of two different viewpoints was Jesus is on a boat, and there's someone in the water that has drowned, and they've sank to the bottom of the lake or whatever it is. And so Jesus jumps in the water, swims down to the bottom, grabs the person that's drowned, and brings them up and brings them to the boat, and then with CPR, he revives them. And so the idea is that you were totally dead spiritually. There wasn't any life in you at all. And so for God to save you, he had to provide everything to get you revived. And then the other view was, you're out in the lake and you're drowning. But you haven't drowned yet. And Jesus throws you a lifeline. And you grab it and he pulls you to the boat and you're saved because you grabbed hold of that lifeline. One emphasizes the importance of faith. The other eliminates faith, and it's all by grace. I'm here to tell you that salvation was not automatic. It's 
not automatic. You have to have faith to be saved. And, and, and the beautiful thing about this is when you study scriptures, you'll hear terms like this if you read theolog theological books. You'll hear some preachers say, uh, we are totally depraved. And that statement, what it means is there's not any good in you at all before you get saved. That's what it means. And it's based on the book of Romans chapter 3. They take that particular verse where it says, there's none righteous, there's none that seek God. And the chapter does talk about the corruption that sin has in us. But keep this in mind. That corruption, which is very important, just means that you'll never be righteous enough to be able to be inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean there isn't some good in you. There just isn't enough to stand before God without any guilt, fear, or condemnation. Amen? Now, here's the part I want you to see from this, because this will illuminate your spirit. In the book of John, chapter 1, verse 5, it talks, it mentions something about people that are created and birthed into this planet. And it says that Jesus enlightens every man that comes into this world. Now, what that basically means is this. Every baby that's born is spiritually alive. That's why when infants die, they don't go to the lake of fire. They go to heaven. Can you say amen? But there is what the scriptures refer to as the age of accountability when someone knows the difference between right and wrong and they die spiritually. But in saying this, I want you to understand that even though a man is corrupted by sin before he gets saved and he can't get saved by his own initiative or his own power, there's no question about that, there still is an element of him necessary to bring salvation to pass in his life. Now, the very faith that we receive from the scriptures comes from God, but once it comes from God, it becomes our faith. That's why the woman that touched Jesus' garment, Jesus said, your faith, not mine, your faith has made you completely whole. And so you always hear Jesus commending a person's faith, but it comes from God. But in order for salvation to work in our lives, there's a certain aspect of it as automatic, but it's only automatic when we use our faith. Let me explain. When you go to a grocery store, you walk up to the door, it opens. It's automatic, right? When you go to your house or in your garage, you got to hit the clicker. Faith is our clicker. If you don't use your faith, you can't get saved. If you don't use your faith, you can't get healed. If you don't use your faith, you can't prosper. If you don't use your faith, you can't go over the top. If you don't use your faith, you can't remove mountains. You've got to use that clicker to receive that in your life. And so even though I respect a lot of people who call themselves theologians, the reality is the Bible makes it very, very clear that faith is not automatic. Or salvation is not automatic. It needs to be activated by faith. You might look at it as the power to your house. The power to your house, it does all the work. Amen? 
But the little breaker switch is necessary to turn on that power. Faith is necessary. Uh, the, the power of God is what does all the heavy lifting. But faith is necessary to release it. You say, why are you preaching that tonight? Because you can't have great faith unless you know how to train your senses. Because if you don't train your senses right by your faith, your senses will sabotage your faith and it will not work, and you will not get the results that God wants you to get from, your, from the Word of God. Can you say amen, everybody? Now, some have suggested that, you know, whatever God does and so forth, it always works out, pans out, and so forth. But I want you to keep this in mind. If grace, it's purely grace that we get saved by, and there's no faith involved in your part, if that's actually true, then Jesus failed. Because Jesus in his hometown could not do any mighty miracles because of their unbelief. So if it was purely grace, he would have never had any failures as far as praying for people. And, G and Jesus' own disciples never would have had any failures. But we know they weren't able to cast out the devil because of unbelief out of a young child. And Jesus came around and corrected it. But there was a failure there. And that's because of unbelief on the part of them, not on the part of the child. Or the thing. So I believe that in order to have great faith, you have to be able to train your senses. And when I say senses, I'm talking about what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, what you see, what you touch. All of those senses, if you don't train them by faith, when you're in a faith battle, your emotions will overcome you, and you'll doubt, and you'll go without. But we're here tonight to get spunky. Can you say amen? We're going to reign the way God wants us to. Your faith will give you the ability to reign in life and prevail in life in an overshadowing way. And I want you to understand something. Many people teach that once you get saved, you're saved forever. That's it. Once saved, always saved. Is that true? Because if it is, then it is all grace. And if it's not true, then there has to be faith involved. Amen? Yeah. To give you an example, uh, many will say things like this. Whoever the Father gives to the Son will be saved forever. And the verse that they'll quote concerning that is found in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 29 where Jesus says, God has given me all of these, and it's his will I lose none of them, and I will raise them up in the last day. That's what it says in John 6, 29. But if you look over in John 17, verse 39, something else is said. This is right before Jesus went to the cross, and how many know that Judas betrayed Jesus? And in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane here, Jesus prays and he says, Father, all those that you gave me, they've kept your word. Now he's talking about the 11, not Judas. And then he goes on and he says this, all the ones that you gave me, I did not lose any of them except the son of perdition. 
So Jesus himself confirmed out of his own mouth that just because someone is given to him, he still lost one. He lost Judas. Can you say amen, everybody? So what I'm trying to do is show you the importance of our faith concerning not only to be saved, but to work out the salvation in your life. If you think it'll just happen because it was God's will to happen, you're going to miss out on many of the blessings that God has for you. Well, if God wants me to prosper, he'll just prosper. If God wants to heal me, he'll just heal me. No, you'll end up sick and you'll broke your whole life. You're going to have to use your faith, and you're going to have to have a faith that's developed to a point where you've trained your senses from your faith. And if you don't do that, your faith will fail, and then you'll come up with, well, maybe it wasn't God's will. There is so much good that could happen in our lives if we didn't waver, if we didn't give up, if we didn't, uh, if our faith, you know, if we would simply believe and not give up. And so that's what this message is about, but I, I wanted to lay that foundation because sometimes people just automatically gravitate over to a teaching that was taught 1,800 years after the church had started. The early church never taught it. And, and so I believe that Faith can prosper you. Faith can heal you. Prosper can get a loved one that seems unsavable, saved by your prayers for that individual. That's the power that God has released in in your faith. Now, look at faith this way. Faith is like a heavenly currency. It's like having... If you compare it to earthly currency money that we have now. With money, you can, buy a, uh, you can buy a pizza or you can buy a steak. You can buy a tent or you can buy a house. You can buy a car. You can buy a horse. In other words, currency, you can buy pretty much anything you want if you've got enough currency. Faith is the same way. When you receive the measure of faith, some people go, well, I have faith for this, but I don't have for this. The same faith that saved you will heal you. The same faith that saved you will prosper you. The same faith, it, 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 all, it can be used for the same or different things in your life, and you can see the results that you desire. Amen. I don't know about you, but I got a big list. I got things I'm believing God for. And you can't do that unless you believe you can do that. Now, here's the key. You got to tra- be trained by the Word. I'm not talking about just be taught by the Word. You got to be trained by the word for faith to work. You know, a lot of people say, well, the more knowledge I have, the smarter I get. No, you, get, you have to be trained. The knowledge is great if you train by it. Let me give you two verses, and we're going to apply this to the family. Ephesians 6, 4 says that you're supposed to train up your children in the admonition of the Lord. Notice it says train, not teach, train. Now, definitely teaching's involved, but the training is the hands-on, it's the application, it's, it's, it's what you do and having them do it in their life. It's kind of like uh, uh, if you're teaching your daughter how to cook, you don't just get her a cookbook, you get, you get the oven preheated and you go through the process with her and have her do that. That's what it says we should do with our children, is train them. And if you're married, 
Your wife has been trying to train you guys ever since you got married. And the husband's been trying to train his wife ever since they got married. And the better you get at training each other, the closer you're going to get to each other and become one. And everybody liked that preaching and said, amen, praise God. That's a little weak. Can we give God praise here for a minute? Come on. Woo. And Proverbs 22.6 says this. It says, train up a child in the way they should go, and he will not depart from when he gets older. Now, now, let me say something. It doesn't say that if your children are raised in a Christian family, they will never fall away. It doesn't say that. It says that if you train them, they will not fall away when they get older. Now, what I've seen, pastors, kids, people with children's problems, uh, sometimes uh, parents have problems with their kids uh, because they weren't Christians when their kids were really, really small. So the condition is a little late, is what I'm saying. So sometimes they have problems because of that. But sometimes the child just doesn't want to be trained. And if you don't drive the rebellion out of them, you can go through all the motions, bring them to church, do everything you want, but it's, it's, it's going to be a problem. But the truth is, if they're really trained, they're going to go back to what they know concerning their faith. Can you say amen? amen? And so I believe that this is one of the heritages of a righteous family. Is they raise their kids up, they train them. And they learn things just by the training that cause so many problems to disappear in their life. But some of us don't know how to train. Some of us weren't trained by our parents. Some of us were trained by parents just yelling at us. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual training. And I want you to write this down because this is going to be kind of the heart of the message tonight. It's in Hebrews 5, 13 and 15. Now, in this text, Paul is addressing, if he's the writer of Hebrews, which I think he is, he says, you should all be teachers by now. But he says, what you need now is the basic oracles of God. Because you still need milk instead of meat. And then he says this, and I think it's, it's very astounding. He says, the person that only partakes of milk... He says they're unskilled in the word of righteousness and are obeyed. But those who are full age, it says those individuals are ready for solid food. And then it says food that you receive because of the exercise or youth, uh, use of it. And then he says this, whose senses have been trained to discern the difference between good and evil. Now, again, the senses that he's talking about is the physical senses that you have in your body. Now, think about the power of this. This is why Christians don't grow spiritually. Uh, someone goes, well, I don't feel good about this person, but I don't know if it's bad, and I don't know if it's good. 
You get a person like that and they'll be moody and everything else and not even realize they're operating in a, an emotion that comes from the works of the flesh. But once you are trained by your faith, you'll be able to discern, well, that, that's jealousy. That's lust. That's greed. Amen? But it only happens if you're trained by your faith. And this is where a lot of Christians don't realize. They think, well, if I just get the education, I'll be fine. It doesn't work that way. You, you know, when I went to school, I went to Rhema Bible Training Center. They emphasize training. And here's the clincher. You can't train your five physical senses unless you train your mouth. If you just say whatever you want to say, you'll never train yourself spiritually. That's why in James 1.26, it said this. It says that anyone that does not bridle his tongue, his religion is useless. And it says that he deceives him own self. Say, so what do you mean deceives his own self? Here's what happens when you start complaining about somebody. And you don't discern that what you're doing is out of jealousy. You don't discern that. You'll start complaining about it, complaining about it, because you, you just don't discern it. You don't discern it yet. Then you'll complain about it, and you'll talk about it, and you'll whine about it. And the more you do it, the blinder you become, and the less you see that that is the works of the flesh. And you get blinder and blinder and blinder and blinder and blinder. That's why in a marriage, it fails when, they're Christian, when you're Christians. And one of the spouses feels like how they feel is not an evil emotion. I don't feel loved. I feel rejected. I don't feel like you care. But they don't discern where it's coming from. Because they haven't trained their mouth. Instead, they go out with Sister Bucket Mouth and talk about how bad their husband is. And the more they talk about it, the blinder they get. The blinder they get. The blinder they get until eventually they go, I just feel like God has someone else for me in my life. I don't think I should have to stay in this marriage anymore. And this could be a man as well as a woman. Is there any reason why we're getting quiet here tonight? So you can start out right and end up bad simply because you didn't train your five physical senses. Now let me show you the, the beauty of this. And I'm going to give it to you in a very practical way. How many have ever known a runner, runners? And how many know running is very hard to do when you first start? You get up in the morning, and you're going to run five miles, whatever, your body is screaming, no, 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 stay in bed, stay in bed, stay in bed. But you talk to anybody that has done it for a year or two years, and their body now craves it. They've trained their senses. No pain, no gain. Amen. And I've found this to be true when it comes to uh, things that we eat. How many have a hard time getting your kids to eat good foods? One person. 
Come on, let's be honest about this. My son hated green peas and green, and green peas so bad that when he was growing up, I'd put it on his plate and say, you're not leaving until you eat that. And he would sit there for hours, and I would stick it in his mouth, and he would vomit it up. My son just had a birthday today, and his wife made him green peas. And he's a dad. They were delicious. Your taste can change. I remember in my own life, I was having some stomach issues because I drank so much coffee. And the doctor said, you can't put dairy. Dairy is not good for you. And so I said, well, I'll go try coconut milk. Coconut milk is horrible. So I had a lot of taste with coconut milk, and I hated it for a year. Now I love it. Here's the point. A lot of things that we need to do that are bad for us, we don't initially feel like doing it. Just like I, when I first had to forgive somebody, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to slap them upside of the head. I wanted to, you know, do a butterfly kick on their face. I, that, that's what I wanted to do because I was in the martial arts. So, and so it was really hard. And I did it. And in ministry, you got to do it all the time. And, but now it's not a big deal for me. It's not hard at all. But initially, it was very difficult. And all my five senses were going, ah! Am I the only one preaching here tonight? Are you getting a hold of this, what I'm saying here? This is true stuff. So the point that I'm, I want you to see that is very important is your faith will never grow beyond what you train your senses. It just can't. Paul said this in Acts 20, 24. He says, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I might uh, finish my race with joy and with ministry which I have received from the Lord. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not moved by all this trouble I'm in. I've learned to train my senses. And I know that doing the word of God, believing the word of God is going to pay off at the end. I mean, think about this for a minute, the power of what he's saying. Here's a guy that was shipwrecked in the sea, bitten by a snake, and yet none of that stuff moved him. He had trained his senses. Abram was the same way when God said, you're going to be the father of, a multi- of, the, of the nations. What did he say? It says he considered not his body, now dead, which is about 100 years older than the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't even consider it. That means he had developed or trained his senses. He didn't go by what he saw. He didn't go by what he felt. He didn't go by what, you know, emotions. He went by the word of God. He knew that if he went by the word of God and ignored what his feelings were, that his feelings would catch up to him. This is how you can get undepressed. This is how you can shake off uh, worry. This is how you can shake off things that normally cripple people is by faith. That's why we offer up a sacrifice of praise. If it was easy to praise God, we would just say, let's just praise him. But it says offer up a sacrifice because sometimes it's a sacrifice. But the beautiful thing about it is once you practice it, 
and train your senses. We're going to praise God whether you feel like it or not. We're going to church on Sunday whether you've got a runny nose or not. We're going to go to church on Sunday whether you feel bad or not. We're going to go to church. And you train your senses, then everything changes. I said everything changes. And I've seen this repeatedly with people. In fact, this is a classic right here. In a church, one of the things you always need is volunteers. Because the body of Christ only functions well when people are using their gifts in the church. And so you need people in the church to volunteer to do this and do that in the church. And it's not just for them personally, but it's for the benefit of the church as well as them. But every time you talk to somebody, they go, I don't got enough time to volunteer. I don't want to do that. You know, I'm too busy, whatever. Soon as you get them to volunteer, and they do it a few times, hey, this is kind of cool. All of a sudden, their senses are going, I'm looking forward to being an usher on Sunday. I'm looking forward to being a greeter. I'm looking forward to training people. I'm looking forward to teaching in Sunday school. I'm looking forward to being an usher. Or I'm looking forward to playing in the band. Or I'm looking forward to do whatever it is. And it's all of a sudden, it's because they've trained their senses. And their faith then has created joy. And there's a refreshing that comes when you give to others. There's just a refreshing that comes. You feel better about yourself uh, when you help someone else, and especially when you don't get, quote, any money for it. You just do it out of the willingness of your heart, and people depend on you, and you bless them. And I've seen people that once they got that fever, once they experienced that and trained their senses in that, you couldn't get them not to serve it. Their life depended on it. Couldn't do it. They trained their senses. So training involves believing and then acting on what you believe in spite of what it feels like, smells like, looks like, hears like, and you just practice it. And it will, my friend, change your life and transform you in a great way. And, uh, you know, my wife, she's here tonight. Wave, wave everybody, Joyce. She's in the back. But one of the reasons why we have a great marriage, because we've married over 50 years, is that she has trained me. Now, I'm, I don't like to say that, but she has, because I know what I was like before. And she might not want to hear this, but I've trained her. Oh, yeah. In other words, she, she knows what pleases me. I knows what pleases her. And we've sacrificed ourselves for each other. And I always tell the guys this. Give your wife anything that won't hurt her if you can afford it. Okay, just. Because Jesus does the same thing for you. Is there anything that's too good for you if it's a good thing that if you believe in faith for it? The Lord will give you anything. I said anything. And I was supposed to love my wife as Christ of the church, so I got to put her in the same category. That's why I'm going to have to take her on a cruise. Anyway, praise the Lord. Got it on tape now. We're in trouble, praise God. Amen. So I want you to see the significance of this training in your life. And remember this. That whenever you're standing in faith for anything, if it's healing, you got to believe you receive it. 
If it's provision, you've got to believe you receive it. And so you've got to keep what you've received. If you don't keep what you received, even though God promises it, it won't manifest in your life. But if you keep it, it will eventually come to pass in your life. I'll give you an illustration. Uh, when Joyce and I bought our new house, uh, two weeks after we bought it, the market crashed, and the value of it went down considerably. And I remember I was talking to a neighbor. I said, yeah, we lost this much money. He said, you didn't lose that much money. I said, what do you mean? He said, you didn't lose it unless you sold the house. You haven't sold it. And so we never sold it, so we got it. It's the same way faith is. If you hold on to it, you can't lose it. You can't lose your healing if you hold on to it. You can't, uh, you can't lose the provision if you hold on to it. You can't lose the, uh, the miracle that you need if you hold on to it. It's only if you let go of it you can lose it. And I don't know about you, but I like to hold on to it until it manifests and then, and then start on a new project. Hallelujah. And so here's the thing that'll, that you'll learn from training your senses you'll learn how to stop the devil's devices. Listen to this. The devil wants you to say what he wants so that you can see what he wants you to have. He wants you to say, I can't make it, and see yourself not making it. He wants you to say, I'm going under, and see yourself not going under. He wants you to say, uh, what's the use Things will never change so that you see yourself never changing. He wants you to say that because if you say what he wants you to say, you will sink your faith ship. But if you're not moved by what your senses are telling you and you're moved by the word of God, the word of God will change your senses. The word of God will produce peace. The word of God will produce joy. The word of God will produce a breakthrough in your life. Whew, man, I tell you what. And this is why Jesus said the way he said it in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. He said, whoever says on this mountain, be plucked up and cast a sea, and who doubts not in his heart, he will have whatever he says. Now, here's the key. Just because a thought comes in your mind doesn't mean it's in your heart. I want you to hear this. I want, this will, the devil will tempt you. Thoughts will come in your mind. Ideas will come in your mind that are not of God. Solutions will come in your mind that are not of God. They'll come in there. But any thought that is unspoken dies unborn. It's like a seed. If you put it on the shelf in your library room, I don't care how long that seed's been in that shelf. It'll never germinate. It'll never grow. It's only when you say it that you sow it. And thoughts, as long as a thought doesn't become an imagination, it never goes into your heart. In other words, just to have a bad thought isn't sinful. It's when you imagine that bad. That's what lust is. Lust isn't just looking at a woman. It's looking at her through your imagination, and you catch the rest. So, the so if you guard your imagination and only let good things that you see through your imagination, your heart is protected. And whatever you've said 
in faith will happen. And you won't have this struggle with the senses where they allow this negative emotion or allow this carnal uh, word come out of your mouth that creates this image of failure in your life that God doesn't want you to have. It's like a single woman. Who's, who needs a spouse? Well, you need to see yourself getting married. Don't see yourself 90 years old, still single. See yourself married. And make sure whoever you see yourself with, it's, it's a Boaz instead of a Judas. Come on, say amen. Okay, moving right along here at a terrible pace here. The vision then is very, very Important. Now let me close with this. This is really powerful. If you can learn to do things that you don't want to do to get the things you really want, it won't be very long and you'll start enjoying the things you really want in life. But you got to be willing to do the things in your life that you really don't want to do to get the things that you really enjoy in life. And here's the, the clincher to this. If you're willing to do what you don't want to do to get to something that you want, you're going to, once you get to the place of receiving what you want, you're going to be doing less things that you don't want to do. Can you say amen? In other words, if you're willing to work hard now and put in the time and put in the studies and do it to make your career grow, your career is going to get big. And once it gets, the bigger it gets, the less you're going to have to do what you didn't want to do in the beginning. I get a kick out of people nowadays. They're extremely lazy. My dad came from the old school, and even after he was retired, he was waking up at 5 in the morning because he had trained his senses. You're going to have to work 10 hours a day or whatever to provide for your family. That's the way it was. And a lot of Christians, if it isn't easy, and, and you see this in the church, is easy believism. Well, let's go to the service. It's easy. The song service ain't too long. It's easy. There's not, you know, the message is pretty easy. It's easy. You can't train your senses. All you'll ever do is desire milk, not meat. Meat brings prosperity. Meat brings healing. Meat brings recreation. Come on, praise God. It brings the blessing of God in your life. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.